0: The Church Media Podcast, episode 144, Unleashing Your Creative Potential with Luke McElroy. Part one. Let's do it.
1: Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast
2: for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams
1: of your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world.
2: Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership,
1: digital communications, and more. The show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at thechurchmediapodcast.com. And now... Broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, welcome to
0: the podcast. Glad to have you here. I'm Carl. I want to start this week by asking you to keep us in your prayers and on your radar this year. We have lots of stuff planned for the coming months that we can't wait to push out to you. We launched new custom media packages recently that we would love for you to check out. We've heard from you, the churches and ministries that we serve, on how to best form the packages that you would like us to create for you. So that includes sermon series, a video and graphic design package together, church announcements, all that stuff is all packaged together in new packages for you. And you can load up on all kinds of sermon series designs, trailers, sermon bumpers, countdowns, promo videos, poster and postcard designs, web and social graphics, all that good stuff. Um, Any graphic design or video need that you have, we'd love to talk with your church about providing that and producing it from scratch for you. You can check out our new packages at 1230.media forward slash packages or by just choosing plans and pricing from our custom media dropdown on the main navigation of our site, 1230.media. This week and next week on the show, I welcome a veteran to our program, my buddy Luke McElroy. A few weeks ago, Luke and I walked through Act 1 of his new book, and this week and next week we'll be working through Act 2 of the book, all about unleashing your creative potential. Here's a little clip from Luke about the book, and then we'll jump right into part one of my interview with him.
2: Check this out. Hey, church media friends. It's Luke McElroy, author of the new book, Creative Potential. You know, I wrote this book to help everyone discover and unleash their God-given calling by sharing both the story and principles I've uncovered in my personal journey. This book is really for anyone who wonders if they're creative enough or just want to make the most of the gifts that God has given them. To learn more, I'd encourage you to head over to creativepotentialbook.com. That's creativepotentialbook.com.
1: This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is church media coach Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, my guest today is my friend Luke McElroy.
0: Uh, Luke, you know, you're already on the payroll by now, uh, uh, so hopefully you've already started receiving your checks. Just, uh, <laughs> just ha, ha, hold up for, for cash cashing them, if you would, for just about—let's okay. get past don't, Easter. Don't
2: drop them, they may bounce. Is that kind of <laughs> what you're saying?
0: Yeah. I'm just kidding, man. Welcome back.
2: Uh, so glad to be here. It does feel like family, though, Carl. So yeah. thanks for inviting me back.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh, now, last time we chatted about uh, your book, Creative Potential, we kind of dealt with Act 1. Uh, this week uh, and next week, I want to deal with Act Two of your book. So, the, kind of the first part is uh, we talked all about how to discern your calling, um, how to find that, how to wrestle with that. Um, and then this time, I want to kind of get into how to unleash that, how to bring yep. it out, how to uh, the, those types of things. So, kind of set us up here. Um, kind of talk about the distinction in uh, between Act One, Act Two, and why why you wrote Act Two of the book.
2: Yeah, so the first thing I'd say is, for the listeners of the Church Media Podcast, if they listen to all four of these, it basically is like a, a bridged version of the audiobook, right? <laughs> I mean, it's basically giving them all the tips and tricks, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, so the whole reason I, I wrote the book this way is that um, I, I'm inspired by vulnerable stories, and that's what we talked about previously, and that was just my story of stepping into my calling, but... At some point, an inspiring story only goes so far. I don't know if you've ever been watching a Netflix show or maybe you're binge-watching on a weekend that you finally have off from having to work, and you just start watching that show, you know, Scrubs, Friends, whatever. And at some point, you've watched so many episodes, you're like, okay, i got to do something else with my life. And I think that sometimes reading another person's story, as much as I find myself in other people's stories, as much as you will find yourself in Act One of the book, uh, I really wanted to make sure that I left people with very practical sort of <clears throat> boots-on-the-ground thoughts of, like, how do you step into your career potential and how how do you really sort of make this a reality? And I, in the process, I sort of realized that it, it really is this um, picture of a gobstopper. It's kind of the image that I use in the second half of the book. And it's kind of that idea, Carl, if you, if you cut a gobstopper in half um, – or jawbreakers, some people call them, Uh, you know, they have all these rings of different colors of sugar and stuff like that. And so I sort of looked at that as a way that I think we can set up how biblically uh, we can reach our creative potential. And so there's basically four core layers. There's the inside core, and then there's three additional layers on top of that. And that's sort of the arc I use to connect all the elements in the second half. And I think that at the end of it, you'll really see how all of them sort of lead to the next and how the others... Uh, sort of really set us up so we can really change the world with the giftedness we have.
0: Now, you use you, you start talking uh, in Act 2 about this idea of being unique, um, and you yeah. use the show, one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank. I guess as an entrepreneur, <laughs> I'm like, yes. Um, so uh, you, you kind of use Shark Tank as, as an example of how uh, the, the sharks on the show go after uh, unique or go after the proper. Uh, proper What's the word? What am I trying to go for? Proprietary. There it is. Yeah. Um, uh, y- you know, item. Um, they always ask about, do you have a patent? Do you have, uh, you know, l- uh, is this is this yours? Is this your idea? Kind of kind of walk me through that and this idea of unique.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I really sort of tell this story of Shark Tank because we live in a culture that uh, not only celebrates uniqueness, but we buy uniqueness. I mean, uh, these sharks are not going to invest in an idea. I mean, it's... it's It's pretty often that you'll see an idea on there that feels like this really innovative idea. And then um, Kevin on the show will basically ask, you know, oh, so do you own a patent? And he'll go, no, we actually license this technology. And in that moment, you see a shift happen, and that is that if what you bring to the table isn't really unique, how can we pay more money for it? Like how is it worth anything? Because if I can just get what I get off the shelf myself – then the money I'm going to spend is to grow my own platform versus your own platform. And so I sort of use that to help us understand that um, unique things are extremely valuable. And when you and I understand that we were made unique by God with unique gifts, unique purpose, unique direction in life, and unique influence in the world, um, that's when we really start to understand that we have immense value, which is – has to be foundational. I mean, it has to be the very first thing we talk about and, and learn about.
0: You talk about the difference, or you you draw a distinction between being different and unique. Explain that.
2: Yeah. So, um, okay. So there's a there's a there's a key distinction between. Uh, sometimes when I say that phrase, like we're called to be unique. Sometimes that means you, you've got to be different. You've got to stand out. Well, being different isn't necessarily enough. Um, being unique is actually what's valued, not different. Okay, let's take this example, and this may sound really weird, but if you take identical twins, they may look the same on the outside, but they're genuinely unique, which is what makes them valuable as human being to God, is that each of them are made uniquely, even though on the surface they may look the same. Like, we can mistake similar things, right? We could, you know, we've got a group of twins that serve on the same uh, – team that I serve on at my church. We park cars. And I tell them all the time that I, I can never keep their names separated. And they say they get that all the time. But the truth of the matter is, they're different people. They just don't seem different on the outward appearance. And, and that is to, for us to help realize that it's not just to be perceived as unique. It's not just that we do something with our life or that our calling would look differently. It's that we truly understand the uniqueness God's called us to. And that's going to shape the decisions we begin to make, the more unique that we recognize that God made us to be, the more potential we can have with our giftedness and our creativity because we can do more with the calling God gave us, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, and uh, Phil Cook talks about this a lot in his book, One Big Thing, how, um, you know, maybe to focus on, uh, he talks about focusing on, one thing that you're good at and not being, uh, you know, uh, the, the master of everything. We'll talk about that a little bit later as you use Steven Spielberg to, um, to, to kind of as an example to walk through that. But um, it's important to uh, to really realize that we're unique, I think. And and um, you go into once you found your uniqueness, uh, you then need to, to harness that power. Right. So what are some steps to finding confidence uh, in that calling? In our calling,
2: totally, and I think that I think that this is where we really start stepping into. When I talked about how it's practical, uh, there's just some things that are really natural in our world. Um, and again, this is sort of the difference between, or the, the distinction between different and unique, is that um, when I say that someone may have gone, oh well, you know, can I go and like learn how to be an artist, and I can just trace everybody else's work, and it's unique because I'm made uniquely. But the difference is, is that that sort of ruins uh, sort of the awareness that God gave you a gift that's for you. And so there's sort of three things that I talk about when I write in this section of the book. And I just say this, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to, we've got to figure out how to stop copying and start creating. Um, I think that there's a temptation in the world we live in that in order to quote, quote, fit in, um, we have to sort of copy what works. And it's easy because it's sort of a cop out creatively. I mean if we can just copy what works, why well, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, we don't have to, you know, figure everything out. But the truth is when we copy, we, we really say to God with our gifts, like, Hey, the gift you've given us isn't good enough for me, if that makes sense. I mean you you sort of limit yourself because you say that, hey, I'll I'll copy someone else's basically. Um I use this image of the tracing paper. really help us understand that, you know, the enemy wants us to learn with tracing paper, but he wants us to continue to trace, because the moment we can realize that God has given us gifts, we actually are, are living our lives as an act of worship, and we step into the calling God's given us, but to continue to trace, or to continue to draw via tracing paper is to realize that we always have to have someone else's calling in order to reach ours, which is not creative potential, that's creative (laughs) healing if i can say that Uh, so anyway once you sort of understand once we understand that stop copying start creating then then we can sort of enter into the next temptation the world hits us with and that's really just this idea of we've got to stop comparing ourselves and just start creating out of the being that god made us to be Mm. i mean even when we stop copying and we start creating our own unique things um There is a temptation that will will come our way of basically wanting to compare ourselves to everyone else. John Acuff has a great quote about this, and that's that whole concept of don't compare your beginning to anyone else's middle, right? I mean, I could look at my parents and be like, gosh, the lifestyle that they're living and the money they've saved away and all that sort of stuff. Like, I just wish I had that. But that's me comparing my beginnings in life, if you will, towards their middle or ends. Um, mm-hmm. But I think another thing that happens, and we live in a social media world, but it's really easy to sort of follow people who are way better than us. And sometimes that can beat ourselves down when we compare ourselves and we say, oh, we're not as good as them, or vice versa. We, say, we see somebody that's maybe operating in a similar craft of ours, and we see them out there, and they just, you know, their their giftedness isn't as developed as ours is. And so it's easy for us to get a big head. Both of those comparison traps are going to ruin our ability to create. And so there's, I sort of give some practical things on like how we can encourage both those who are before us and some of those who are behind us uh, in our craft to really help us break this tie of understanding that comparison is going to rob us of really allowing us to step into our calling. And then last thing, and this is sort of the one that I think is most important once we're in our craft, is that to really step into the truth confidence in our calling and really harness uniqueness. We've got to stop uh, commercializing the things we make. What do I mean by that? There's a temptation once you've sort of seen some success or really stepped into the fullness of your craft that you just want to rinse and repeat the things that work. That's a natural thing. Uh, It's the principle of a sequel, right? I mean, Jurassic Park 1 did well, so let's just keep putting Jurassic Park out. The problem is at some point, the idea is so rinse and repeated that you've actually robbed your, mus- your creative muscles from going to the gym and finding your next idea because you were so fearful and worried that you were going to lose your creativity. And I would just say this. Uh, creativity is not something that can get lost. It's something that ultimately gets invested, and as you invest it, it grows. It, it, I, and I think right there all I would say is those of us who don't fully sort of harness that uniqueness that God's given us, we may allow the commercialization of creativity to be this temptation of us because we're afraid we won't have another good idea. We're afraid that we this may be the best idea we've had. There's a great TED Talk out there for those listening um, about a girl who wrote the book um, Eat, Pray, Love. And I forget her name off the top of my head. She wrote another book called Big Magic. Is it Elizabeth Gilbert? Is that right?
0: Something like that. Uh, I
2: don't remember. She... Gave a great TED Talk on just this fear that overcame her after she wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love. And she talked about this question that she grappled with, and that was, has she done her best creative work? Is this the pinnacle of her career? And I think in many ways that sets us up for a great conversation about how is fear more of a catalyst than it is a paralyzing Mm. element? in sort of resisting our change, our ability to step back into creating, But all of that allows us to have confidence in our calling to go, no, God called us to this on purpose. And as God calls us to this creative craft, if you will, then that actually opens up a great opportunity for us to have that confidence and step into the uniqueness that God gave us. And we just start creating.
0: I think a couple of random things here. So uh, I'm going to start with your first one, stop copy, and start creating. And I think that you guys at Salt have done this really well, where church media guys would come in and say, or they would leave and or, and they would remember, hey, remember that thing at Salt that we saw? Um, and so I think that you guys have done a, a good job of, of, of creating from scratch some really innovative things. Um, and I, I think the caution there uh, is to go, like you were saying, is to go. Well, let's let's repeat what I saw at Salt because that was mm-hmm. really cool. But it might not yep. work in your environment at all. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, just
2: because the church down the road did something that's awesome and worked for your community doesn't mean that your church is going to see the same results.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and another thing I would say on your on your comparing, stop comparing. Start creating. Uh, I'm I'm guilty of this. Um, as well. And I I think that um, maybe that's an encouragement is uh, the people that have been out there doing it. um, uh, You know, there's a circle of kind of church media guys that are out there, and then there's a circle of church staff member uh, people that are out there. And I would say that that comparison trap can happen no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're just starting Mm -hmm. out and going, man, I wish I had the budget that they do. Or down the road after you've been in it for ten, fifteen, twenty years, going, man, look at the results that they had when they did that. I didn't get the res- those kinds of results when I did that. So I think that the devil can use that no matter where you are in your journey, um, especially with Father, social media. Being so I mean, let's
2: let's take the church like North Point Community Church. I grew up uh, stones throw away from there, you know, Amy Stanley's church, and. You look at that organization, and I think it's easy for a small church to go, "Gosh, look at what the amount of money they're spending on their marketing budget alone for Easter," or look at the amount of money they just installed this brand new set design that just is tens of thousands of dollars, or whatever. And yeah, there's this comparison trap that's going to kill them because they're going to be, "Man, if only I had that, I could do, I could be as creative as North Point." But I guarantee you, North Point's looking at you, going, "We had to have our." You know, set design planned months ago because we have 40 people that had to touch it and the whole television broadcast piece that goes live after Saturday Night Live. And so you have this nimbleness that they want, maybe. And again, that sort of understanding and uniqueness that God's placed you in a place that's very intentional, very on purpose, then we should step fully into that and not constantly compare because, it, as you said, it can happen on both ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful sometimes that I've gotten to work at uh, some churches like that, uh, namely New Spring, um, where uh, you know it it's not the grass is not always greener. Uh, I mean, people yeah. look at a New Spring and go, oh, "Oh gosh, I wish I had the the budget or the things that they do." But I promise you this: I had a budget that I had to stay within. At every campus, had a budget that I had to stay within, and I, I was constrained based on budget, based on people, based on resources, based on. I, I mean, no matter where you are in your level, uh, you know, or or journey, or ministry, um, there's always constraints. There's always things that you wish you had. There's always uh, situations that you wish you would be in. So I think, uh, you know, the grass is not always greener. at the other ministry, at the other church. You have
2: a budget, too, and you you actually have to feed more volunteers. You have to plan a stage that's three times, four times the size of a typical church or multiple campuses with the same budget, you know? So there's still limitations. Right, exactly. All right, let's switch
0: gears and talk about excellence. Um, And let me
2: say this before we move on. So there's one big caveat to this whole uniqueness thing because it can sort of paralyze us in and of itself, and that is that, I want to say this, that uniqueness... Or creativity in general is far more about iteration than innovation, and we may not have time to really dive into what that what I'm talking about here. But um, I tell this great story of a teacher who sort of opened my eyes because when we talk about uniqueness, there can be this fear of like, well, can I really be that innovative? Right? Like we started with Shark Tank. Can I really come up with an idea that's worthy of a Shark Tank investment? And maybe, maybe not. But I, the encouraging part in the book. Uh, at least for me, when I really sort of processed what this looks like biblically and all that, is that creativity is not—like, if we look at what God did creatively in the Bible, He made you and I, we are made in the image of God, which means we are not this completely innovative, never-before-seen thing. We are an iteration, because when you're made in the image of something, then you're an iteration of that thing. And so it really helped us break down that, like, hey, we don't need to beat ourselves up because And then stop copying, start creating, stop comparing, start creating, stop commercializing, start creating. There can be this overwhelming amount of anxiety around this idea of, well, gosh, i got to come up with something that's never been seen before. But the truth of the matter is that rarely happens. And I think that if we were made in the image of God, God made us to be iterative beings of Him. And that really frees us up to realize that we don't need to always reinvent the wheel when we create but what we do have to do is we have to look at what is the thing God's put in our hand? What is the environment around us? And how do we create to honor and, and sort of create something for that tribe, that community, right? Contextual creativity rather than completely innovative. If that makes any sense. I just want to leave yeah. us there so that it's not just this burden of, oh, man, that creates a lot of anxiety, Luke. Like, you want me to just create and come up with everything from scratch?
0: Right, and let, let me speak to pastors, any pastors that are listening. Um, I think the more, uh, and, and leadership teams, the more time, and now obviously there needs to be a deadline on everything, um, but the more time you can give your creatives to come up and implement something original, um, the better. So if you can plan out your year, uh, if you can map out different things and let your your entire team know that, um uh, because I think a trap that a lot of creatives can fall in and and I'm I can I've been guilty of this or I've been handed this card before, is hey, it's Monday or hey, it's Thursday. We want something for Sunday here. go. and it yeah. it can be hard to, I mean sometimes it's great to have a box and you get more creative in that box. Um, but I think that uh, me, uh, an experience that I've had is is it's hard to be creative so quickly. So the tendency can be to just well, let me pull a template. Let me copy this. Let me pull this down. Let me, uh, okay, here, here you go. And I get in that mentality. And because I delivered it that time on Thursday, then I can deliver it every time on Thursday and it becomes a pattern. Have you seen that
2: Luke? 100% and I think that, I mean, there, they, there's a marketplace sort of humor. There's a sign I've seen in A lot of places that are like creative agencies here in Nashville and, uh, all over and you may have seen this too, but basically they say we offer three services. Quick, fast and cheap. But they basically say pick choose two. T- yeah, pick two. <laughs> yeah. And so when something is very last minute, um, you can't you can't say, well, I mean in other words, if you want quick and you want good, it is not gonna be cheap. We're gonna have to outsource this. I'm gonna have to go get somebody else who's a professional, who's got margin, who can bring on more team and scale this thing out. Or if it's somebody who says, well, I need quick <clears throat> and I need cheap, well, you can't also cheat, uh, choose good. And, and so I think there is a balance in that that yeah. it's so true. And I think what I may encourage pastors or leaders of creative teams is <clears throat> before you take an idea to the team, figure out the priority that it has in your organization. Um, because a, a healthy team member isn't going to ever say no to an idea because they don't have capacity. But my team does this to me all the time. I mean, just happened just, just seconds before we start recording, Carl. Someone came to me and said, hey, so I know you want me to get this done, but you also said you want this done. Which is the priority? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important in leadership to make sure you're very clear with that. You know, I may say, hey, though, I want this. A perfect example is we're, we're in the process of building out all of our Salt 18 branding. And I had sort of sent a rough draft of a website. Uh, to our team to get some feedback, and it's been all day. And the creative in me, Carl, <laughs> wants uh, feedback, right? The creative in me who's who's put time and energy into directing this project and, and sort of even doing a lot of it myself, I, I wanted feedback. Um, but it's Monday, and so that means that there are other things from a work standpoint that are going to have to get done. We've got a bunch of deadlines coming up. And so this, is, this sort of website has become a little bit of a back burner thing. Um, But it was really important for me to walk out, and and one of the people who worked for me said, Hey, Luke, so what's more important, giving you feedback on the Salt18 website or giving you feedback on this other project that is due on Wednesday? And it's just really healthy for a leader to be able to give very clear and concise prioritization. And I said, Well, the creative in me wants feedback, but this is more important organizationally. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that well, you'll lead your creatives in a way that they don't get burned out, they don't get frustrated because... So often it may feel to a creative like the sort of point or the goal is constantly shifting. But when you can say, hey, I need this now, help make sure you evaluate internally. Like, what is your value of now? Are there other things already in the pipeline? And can you help really clear, clarify how urgent something really is? Because something's going to have to give. You know? Right.
0: And I think as a creative, don't be afraid to go to your leader and, and ask that and say that. Hey Yeah.
2: And- And I think that that's a healthy conversation to say to your leader, Hey, you've asked me to do three things this week. Um, and you just asked a forest, I, I can get those three things that we had done before. Can you just help me prioritize where does this fall in line? And what you're doing in a very honoring way is you're allowing your leader to lead, and you're also never saying no. It's right. sort of this idea that a friend of mine gave me years ago, and that was in the church we should never say no. We should say yes, but. And right. so when your leader comes to you, and I'm now speaking to those creatives who work for someone, when a leader comes in and says, "Hey, the children's ministry needs something for their egg hunt coming up or the um, you know we're, we're doing the summer camp that the youth ministry needs a promo for, and we want to run it this Sunday. Uh, is there any way you can throw something together uh, It's really healthy for you to say yes, I can, but in order to do that, I'm going to need to bring on some extra some extra help in order to get that done for Sunday because i don't I know that excellence is something we value or Vice versa. Yes, I can do that, but I'm going to have to drop everything else on my plate. And I just want to make sure you are okay with that. And that really doesn't ever say no, because no one loves to answer no. Like, hey, can you do this? No, I can't. I don't have time. Well, invite them into that process. Invite them into that exchange.
0: Yeah. And I think that, that your leader appreciates that. You know, when, I, when I've had the opportunity to speak into that and prioritize for my team, I, I like to do that much rather than, no, we don't have time. Uh, uh, ex- excuse me? Um, I'm, I'm paying you. Let's, let's figure out how we can uh, coordinate the time to make these, these things happen. Not in a mean way, but uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So let's move to excellence. And th- this is kind of a big you know, buzzword within church world, excellence versus perfection. And this idea that perfection is a myth. Walk me through your opinion on this.
2: Yeah, well, going back to that sort of world we live in, that we celebrate uniqueness and all this, we also live in a world where because of social media and because of sort of just the uh, opportunity to sort of have a platform amongst our friends virtually, um, we really live in a world that tries to say perception is everything. I and mean, you got to look good. Your, your picture on Instagram before you post it has to be angled just right. I just saw the movie Jumanji, and I don't know if anybody's seen that. But there's this cliche moment. Have you seen this movie, Carl? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. So do you know? You remember that scene where uh, the girl, the blonde, uh, is basically waking up, and she's got her selfie stick, and she's you know pushing it away from her, and then um, and the whole scene is just beautiful. She like rotates the cup a little bit. She gets the light a little bit better. Opens the blind, and then she takes it, and then she just basically, you know. post something like just woke up hashtag no filter
0: yeah
2: and i'm like okay wait a minute yes you may not have put a filter on there but you definitely worked pretty hard to make that picture look pretty perfect and i think such a a a true representation of the culture we live in today we live where we need to look put together we need to look um perfect if you will that excellence means i have no flaws excellence means i have no blemishes or i have no issues in life, if you will. And I think that when you look at Scripture, that is so far from the definition that Scripture gives to excellence. And I say that perfection is myth because God doesn't care about that. God sent His Son because He knew you had flaws. God invited you into His story because He knows He'll get far more glory when broken people do His will than when perfect people do His will. And I would say that, as I dug into Scripture, that really God wants far more Than our sense of perfection is chasing this never-ending, always stressful path towards perfection. He wants our hearts. He wants the thing that matters the most to us, that can't be bought, that gets freely given. And so I really believe that, and I I break this down in depth in the book, but that really excellence is this posture of our hearts rather than this pursuit of perfection because perfect is myth. And and I could take that even one step further and say, if we believe that perfect is the definition of excellence, um, or the best to say that, to say it that way, that excellence is being the best. Well, now you're using a moving target to try and define excellence, and that cannot happen. That can't. That's basically an oxymoron, is to say that we're going to define something by a bar that is constantly moving, because once the best is raised, then there's a new bar then the next person has to be the best. And so it's just, that's where that striving and that straining and that just constantly exhausting chase of perfect can get the best of us because it never stops. It's always changing.
0: Let me give you an example of, of something that happened to me just this past Sunday. So, um, I'm, I'm helping a production team at a local church here. Um, and, uh, there there was a lady uh, speaking and, um, we had talked through a little bit of. She had this uh, audio file, this piece of a song that she was going to uh, kind of pitch to and, and play uh, at, at the beginning of her sermon uh, or, or talk. And we didn't really talk through all of that, but we, we knew it was coming at some point. So she calls for it. And it was a little bit confusing how she said it. She said something about, here, let me let you see um, a, a little bit of what my message is going to be on today. And we're looking around going, did we miss something in pro presenter? Uh, what, and she's, she's standing there awkwardly. We're looking around awkwardly. Um, and she goes, well, I guess not. Let me read the lyrics. So we totally bombed, um, and missed the cue and whatever. So here's how I handled it. And, and, I actually, I think we've handled it well, uh, this particular time. I don't always uh, handle it a bit the best, but I think that this one was handled uh, well. So the team, after the service was over, we wrote down and we said, okay, we obviously dropped the ball on this. How can we do this differently? And we wrote th- three or four things down. Uh, one, we send the uh, message manuscript to everybody so that the audio person has it in front of them. Okay, then we do this step and this step and this step. So we wrote down three or four things and I went over to her and I said, hey, look, we take complete responsibility. So sorry we left you hanging. You know, we we own that. Well, you know, and here are the things that we're going to do to go after uh, a more excellent experience in the next service and then moving forward. And her response was totally different because, one, we owned it. It was we we had the responsibility. Um, and two, we were going after ways. We had already determined ways that we were going to fix it and make the situation more excellent the next time. So she was not in a uh, offensive posture. You know, you guys right. left me hanging up there, blah, blah, blah. I think it mattered how we approached that situation. So I, I think that deals with this conversation in that we were not perfect, but we were excellent in that we uh, – move the ball down the field and how we were going to deal with it the next time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I say
2: this a lot when I'm sort of talking with people about this concept, that you can have mistakes and still be excellent, but you can't regularly make the same mistakes and be excellent over and over. Exactly. And the reason of that is this, it becomes a heart issue. When we become sort of just, you know, lackadaisical and sort of just calling in our our craft, um, that's not, stepping into our calling or stepping into our craft, uh, our purpose in life with our heart. That's just sort of saying, I'm just going to you know, go through the motions. I'm just going to sort of check in, check out. I can do this, right? <clears throat> and when we do that, that is where God goes, well, you're not giving me everything in your heart. But when we say, I want to give you everything, Lord, because I believe that me stepping into my calling is an act of worship, then that means that <clears throat> the posture of our heart is to do the best we can. But we don't beat ourselves up over mistakes like you said, but we react and we say, okay, well, now that I know better, I don't want to do that anymore, right? I'm going to do everything in my power to sort of set up so that I can make sure I don't miss that cue. I, I don't miss that video that needed to get played or what have you because it's it's now something that matters deeply to you, right? When things are are, are of issues of the heart, we invest ourselves far deeper, which means – and I love what you said earlier. Like you owned – You owned the failure. And I think people who are all in, people who are bought in with their heart, own things so much more because they love it. And and so much of their being is caught up in it. Not just their identity, because that's perfection, but their being is caught up in their creativity. And when our being is caught up in our creativity, I believe we really step into the fullness of our creative
1: potential. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media. For more interviews, training, and exclusive content for your production team, visit 1230.media slash training.
0: Hey guys, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about our brand new custom media packages at 1230 Media. We produce custom sermon series, design, graphics, series trailers, bumpers, and more. We've bundled our most popular orders on our website to save you time and money. I want you to take a look at our custom media packages at 1230.media forward slash pricing. Let's do some math real quick to produce the same amount of content that we're offering in our packages each month your church would spend an average of $40,000 a year on a graphic designer another 40k on a video producer and another 50k or so on a motion designer that's over $130,000 a year to expand your creative staff team With our custom media services, we can help you transform your worship experiences by offering an entire creative team for a fraction of the cost. Our standard package with a 12-month retainer that includes a sermon series design and 30-second sermon bumper would only be a little over $6,000 a year. Our signature package with the 12 month retainer that includes graphic design, video trailers, bumpers, motions, church video announcements would be about 12 grand a year. And our premium package would be around $24,000 a year. Now I know we're talking big numbers here, but when you do the math, your church saves over $100,000 a year to do more ministry in your church and in your community. Now, you might be a church media director listening to this and thinking, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you're taking my job. No, 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 far from it. I've been where you are, and I know how overworked you can be and how easy it is to burn out. But we're here to help you. We're here to support you. We're here to come alongside you. And you may be a church that either can't afford the salaries of an entire team or your current team is completely tapped out and you can't get to content for other ministries like your children's or student ministry, we can help expand your creative team at a fraction of the cost of bringing on multiple full-time hires. Get all the details on our website at 1230.media forward slash pricing. That's 1230.media forward slash pricing. 1230.media forward slash pricing. Check it out today. For more on the podcast, including links to Luke's book and other resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. That's thechurchmediapodcast.com. You can click on episode 144 for the show notes page for this episode. Why not? It's free. On the next church media podcast. Next week on the show, Luke joins me again. We'll wrap our interview about Act 2 of his book, Creative Potential. And in the weeks to come, you'll get me only for a few episodes. I'll be talking to you about reasons why I believe you should take your team to visit another church, why your volunteers need to actually attend a worship service, and some incredible game-changing ideas for your production team. It's all going to be good. Our podcast is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. The producer of our show is the incomparable David Michael Hyde. And thank you for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for
1: listening to The Church Media Podcast.
2: Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in
1: iTunes. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.